I want to introduce my lovely wife, Helen, who I've been married to for 35 years. So I know what she says is to be trusted, and I want you to receive a prophet and get a prophet's reward. And I want you to know also she put a lot of work into this. She's had some early mornings getting up and doing her work and, um, and doing her preparation. Yes, I want to say she's worked hard on this, so Helen, we honour you. What an amazing morning we've had so far. And so many of the themes and things that have been shared, the songs, the stories, all come together to enhance and to complement what I've also shared. So there's something of God the Holy Spirit talking with us this morning, which is amazing. I went on holiday a little while ago, and when you get out of your normal day-to-day, -day, sometimes you have time to think and get a fresh perspective. And I had lots of questions to ask. I'm saying, Lord, you know when that happened, and it all went a bit horribly wrong and we felt this, what was going on there? Is there any perspective you can give me on that that would make me feel a bit better? And how are we doing as church, Lord? You get all sorts of opinions about that, but what do you think about us? And why exactly are we here? And um, wh what are we kind of here for? And how can we go about fulfilling that purpose? And I was a very small person with a lot of big questions. And slowly but surely, some measure of help and answer came in different ways. And often I see things in pictures. So you're being treated with some pictures this morning. So I've called this chat or whatever, four words and four pictures. And the four words are be anchored in me. And the four pictures are a tree, a firework, a pirate ship, and a jigsaw puzzle. Doesn't matter which order they come in. Okay. So, just this week, I was asking God, saying I have the privilege of, of speaking this morning, what would you like to say? What's on your heart to say? And I just heard in my mind, in my mind these four words, be anchored in me. Now, the anchor is a, the fifth picture. You get that one for free. So, be anchored in me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I googled it, as you do, and an anchor is a heavy object attached to a cable and used to moor a ship to the sea bottom. And then there was another quotation which said, the boat, no longer held fast by its anchor, swung wildly. So it shows the importance of being anchored. Then I read on and it said, an anchor can be a person who provides stability and confidence in an otherwise uncertain situation. So I paused for a moment and thought about what I call some anchor men and women. And I was just thinking about various folk and I don't know why, but I thought about David Long. He's not here this morning, but if you say he was mentioned, he'll probably listen to the, the podcast. Hi, David. David Long, I thought, what an anchor man. Whatever's happening, somewhere in the midst of our gathering, David will stand up and he will pray with such trust in Jesus as his anchor. 
and he will so speak on behalf of us all. And Karen with her stirring us in worship and sometimes saying, well, this has gone wrong and that's gone wrong and I don't know whether I'm coming or going because she has integrity and reality and tells it in a gentle way but how it is. But then you will dig a little deeper and you'll see like a stick of rock, Jesus, an anchor running through her life. How amazing. Who else can I pick on? It's wonderful when you have a microphone. You can pick on people. Oh, let's pick on Paul Callan. <laughs> He's a real anchor man, if ever there was one. Looking at different theologies and having a heart of God to ask God the Holy Spirit to reveal new and fresh things, but keeping with the good old things, keeping us steady and yet enabling us to have fresh revelation and go with the times and do what God is doing. How amazing. I feel safe with Paul looking at the teaching that we have in our congregation. You can feel safe, because if I go a bit wobbly or off on one, he'll come and explain to me, and probably next week he'll say, you know when Helen said that, well, no, 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 actually. So we're anchored as a team together, and he's an anchor man. If I was in a crisis, I would ring Maria Laxton because she's a real anchor woman. And I know that insofar as she could, she would drop what she's doing either to talk to me on the phone or personally come round to handhold me through a situation because it's happened. And I don't take that for granted or exploit that, but I know Maria is there. Pete Bernest. I often share lifts with Pete to various meetings. We live in Shepshed. I will tell him about the horrible things that have gone wrong in my life, and you can guarantee that he'll say that some even worse horrible things have gone wrong for him, which makes me feel a whole lot better. And then he will have that lightness of spirit that says that Jesus has got this covered. It's going to be okay. Anchor people, how amazing. Rue and Trenner, what amazing anchors they are. What amazing people, people, and anchors that we know that they are people of integrity and that whatever they choose for this church and for their own lives, whatever decisions they make, they will be listening to God and they will be thinking of our welfare. Wow. So we're surrounded by some good anchor men and women. However, I remembered a little while ago when Ollie was speaking. Ollie said, don't depend on a person for your security. What if the rock, your person that you're depending on, what if your rock crumbles? And that was very thought-provoking. I wrote that down in my book to think about a little bit. So Christ is our true rock. And to keep the, 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 the picture going, we build our lives on him. He is our first anchor man, our anchor person. He keeps us steady when our boat sways with the changing winds and tides. And sometimes seasons in our lives do change like the tide, or a seemingly ill wind will take us unawares. We think, oh, I feel a bit cold. Oh, things have changed. I wasn't expecting that. We're unsettled naturally as people by change. Some people find it exciting. Adventure, woohoo, out there sailing on the boat. Others just want to be kind of warm and cozy and safe. So personality comes in, but we can be unsettled when change takes us unawares. But sometimes, through that change, it is the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing. And we need to see what God is doing in the change and to readjust our sails and flow accordingly. You see, God has a purpose 
and he moves on with his purpose. And sometimes we're taken by surprise, but he is not taken by surprise. In one of the gospel stories, we read, it was in Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 39, we read that Jesus did a lot of miracles in Capernaum. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He did loads of stuff, which was really amazing and spectacular. There was a real revival party going on. And suddenly the disciples realized in the morning that Jesus was no longer there. It was all happening without him. And he'd been praying. And just as morning broke, he returned to them. And they said, God, Lord, we didn't say God, they said, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Where were you? Come on, it's all happening. My paraphrase, of course. They urged him to stay because it was all going so well. But he'd been praying. And he'd heard from his father that he needed to move on to the next town. He said, we must go on to other towns as well, because this is the purpose for which I was sent. So that sense of change, an ill wind to them, but for him carrying out God's purpose and being led by the wind of the Spirit. In Matthew 16, Peter received great revelation about Jesus being the Christ. And Jesus responded by calling him the rock or the anchorman, the foundation. But then Jesus moved on to talk about following the way of the cross, giving up his life, dying. Peter didn't like that. He wanted to hold on to him, to stop him, to keep things the same and safe. It was going well. The kingdom was being expanded. What's all this about death and change of season? And yet Peter said, get behind me, Satan. As in, the spirit in you at this point is of the enemy, not of God. I need to go God's way on this one. So God interrupts our thinking, our human perspective, and our plans to fulfill his divine purpose. He is both the wind that brings the change and the anchor within our souls that keeps us steady within and settled. So rather than stopping changes, we need a changeless core inside ourselves, a strength within ourselves. I've heard Rue speak of that on numerous occasions. We need to know who we belong to, who we are, and what we value, what really matters to us. Because God's intention is that we all become anchor men and women, building our lives on him. So just to change the image a little bit, but a connected theme, a tree with many roots going deep into the earth. Stay rooted and grow where you're planted. God wants us to be rooted in the revelation that he's rooting for us. He wants our roots to go deep down into his love. And if we know that he loves us, we're secure. We know that life will not harm us because he's planning things for our good. The roots are in his love. And if we're all the time thinking, oh, he loves me, he's good, then we'll feel that and experience him in our circumstances, whatever they're like. He is planning things with good intention to work out well for us and for others. Now, there's a tree in our garden that got very wobbly and um, when we got a new fence, thanks to Gary Bradshaw May, fantastic, we had to take the old fence down and this poor old tree came down with it and we had to sever it right to the, the ground level. There was nothing left apart from the roots. And 
after a few weeks, this plant started emerging where the tree was. And I was saying to Steve, I don't recognize that plant. What's that plant? What, what's that? I haven't planted that. And he said, well, actually, it's the tree. It's the tree making a comeback. You can't kill me. I've got roots. And that's what we can say in life. You can't kill me. I've got roots. In Job 14.7, it talks about hope. And Job is saying that he hasn't really got any hope. And he says, even a tree, if it's completely cut back, can be revived and grow again. There is hope. And we have a hope in whatever circumstance we're in. Our old tree was taken away, but something new was sprouting, something fresh and green. And that's what God does with us, season after season. Takes the old away that's restricting us, brings forth the new that brings life and hope and a future. You've heard Steve's story this morning. And Steve likened his life to one point to that tree. He said, I only, I feel like a just been, I'm gone. My roots are there, but everything else has gone. There was such a painful chopping down and feeling of exposure and vulnerability as Steve had been building up his teaching career for five or six years as supply teacher and then got his dream job and then through no fault of his own, it went horribly wrong, became a bit of a nightmare job. And suddenly he was back to before square one with no job, no income, nothing there except his root system behind the surface. So the job that had supposed to bring security and provision had really dominated life like an overgrown tree and blocked out the light for us. It had outgrown its allotted space and it had prevented the proper growth in other areas of life, the devotional life, marriage together, family, health, well-being, fellowship, community involvement, all those rich things that God wants us to be blessed in so that we can be a blessing. This was blocking out those things. So even though we thought it was really harsh and hard, the circumstances, we could see the hand of God, the heavenly gardener, taking that tree down right back to its roots and releasing us and freeing us. So it has been a time for us to reestablish our priorities together and to think about what really matters, to tend to our root system Colossians 1, verses 4 to 12, part of that um, extract says, Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. As we're rooted in relationship, then the word of Christ, through scripture and through others, becomes rooted in our lives, and we are transformed, and we are strong. Did someone else change that for me? Thank you. So God wants you to be rooted in the revelation that he's rooting for you. I don't know whether you can see that. That is a very overgrown apple tree at the bottom of our garden about a year and a half ago. Profuse with apples, really brilliant. Um, I think some of you have tasted of them and all sorts of things have happened with those apples. They have been the inspiration for reaching out into Shep Shed community and they've been the means by which we had an apple making session where we made crumbles and gave them out to friends and neighbors and family. And God spoke to us about 
praying for people, connecting with them, and providing with them so they could see the love of Jesus in action. So that was quite a prophetic apple tree. But as you can see, it's not very shapely, and it was very top-heavy and very overgrown. And past its time, we employed a tree surgeon to come and sort our tree out. And you won't see a picture of our prune tree because I couldn't bear to take a picture of it. It was like a, a stick with branches. I couldn't bear to look at it. And I was very distressed at the loss of my beautiful tree. Would it die? Would there be blossom in the spring? I kept looking out the window. Would it continue to bear fruit? And it has grown back beautifully. And it provides a picture for a season that we experienced as a life group in Shep Shed together. God gave me understanding through the pruning of the tree. We'd started off well with our apple crumbles and our Christmas carol singing and many good things were happening in our Shep Shed Tree of Life group. And then everyone individually seemed to go through trials and struggles. There are seven adults in the group and, and several teenagers and children, but just seven adults. The, we encountered serious illness in the group, hospitalization, family challenges with ch children and grandchildren, stressful workplace situations, crumbling confidences, ill health mentally and physically, and there was less capacity practically and emotionally for meeting together and certainly for reaching out. And we seemed to go from sort of hero to zero in a very short period of time in terms of group life. And I was frustrated, um, surely not. <laughs> I was frustrated because plans were being cancelled and meetings were being prepared and people were not coming. And I was a bit grumpy and, um, you know, muttering and why is all this happening? And, well, where are they? Well, that's happening. Oh, well, that is a good excuse. You know how your mind can think ungodly thoughts? Mine can. And then I realized that what mattered still remained. Our love for one another and the corporate roots and strength that we had in Jesus still remained. It was a time to cultivate genuine love and relationship, not just a time for meeting and activity. And suddenly I realized I'd been seeing people as how they fitted into my plans and my projects, rather than people. Goodness me, what a dreadful thing. And God spoke to us about meeting together. Pete and Sarah had a fabulous idea, and we just cancelled everything apart from tea at their place on Sundays when we cooked together, ate together. I'd like to say prayed together, but we, it was nearly that we, we slept together in the nicest way of that, that phrase. We were just exhausted, but we managed. We just kind of got through. But all the time, we were rooting for one another, building genuine friendships, respecting one another, seeing the good in one another, caring for one another. So, we're not a project, we're not a group, we're family. He prunes back our traditional embellishments. He strips us of our religiosity. We're no longer striving, striving to achieve and seeing people in the light of whether they show up to our meetings and events, but we're family. We're now a pruned back, lean and mean mission machine, but we are family. Okay. So Jesus is the tree of life. He is the vine, we are the branches. And really, it's about Jesus and me, strongly connected, 
and me and you strongly connected in him and reaching out to others so they can connect with us and with him. It's really simple. That is what church is about. Me and Jesus, you and me, us together, reaching out. So I asked the question using the tree imagery, Lord, what have you been doing with King's Church congregation? Because the Shep Shed Tree of Life is a branch reaching out of the, Shep, the um, King's Church Loughborough tree, as it were. And I saw in my mind's eye about three different seasons of tree and going into a fourth, going back about 20 years. And when I first was part of the church, which was about that length of time ago, it was a very strong, and still is, a very strong, secure tree with good roots, healthy, with branches and bearing fruit. Gareth and Sandra were leading the church at that time with others. And Pete and Barbie Reynolds are the people that you may have heard of. And it was a good, strong tree. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit spoke to the townwide church and townwide leaders and Prophets came in and projects were birthed to serve the community and show God's love and goodness. It was the right season for many projects to be birthed. And they sprang up demonstrating the love of Jesus to the world. They were birthed in the spirit in response to the prophetic word. And we had a strap line, transformed by Jesus to transform society. It was a good outward focus and it was fruitful. However, as time passed... For all kinds of reasons, the tree, in its fruitfulness and its reaching out, was in need of pruning. And there's a season where the health of the tree was somewhat at stake. And during that season, there were some good things that happened, and lots of branching out happened, but it became a little bit top-heavy. And then enter Rue and Trenna. And when there was, we've had first conversations about Rue coming in to be part of the leadership team and he and Trena to lead us. Um, he was wearing a shirt that was checked and he looked like a lumberjack, I thought. And we were talking about forest imagery in a meeting and I thought, who better than a lumberjack to lead a church? So that got it sorted for me. Um, so Andrew and Trena came with lots of love, but also with some pruning tools, knowing what a tree should look like. And they have worked among us and done an amazing job. They brought forest imagery to us about um, letting things happen in the power of the Spirit rather than controlling everything. They talked about being family rather than organization. They were people-centered rather than project-centered. It was a time, still is a time, I'm talking in the past, but they've been doing this for about seven years now, haven't they? There came a time of restoring things that we had lost as a church family. The roots were tended to again. Christ became our real source and king, really rooted into him, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinitarian theology of understanding that Christ is in us and we are in Christ, and there's no hierarchy, and there's no top-heavy branches anymore. They've been pruned off. But rather, we are all discovering the mind of Christ together. And we have a leadership that honors people and lifts people up. Together, we seek the mind of Christ in one another. Life in the Holy Spirit. Christ in us, no striving. A restoration of spiritual gifts and worship that springs from the heart. Not professional, but good, but springing from the heart springing from the presence of God within us. So all these things 
I've taken delight in observing and being part of. Life groups have been established, life being the key word, because we'd had cell groups, which were good because it was multiplying selves, and we'd had wild vine, which was good because Jesus is the vine and it was reaching out to new people. However, the cell groups have become more imprisoned cells and the wild vine groups have become a bit too wild and not enough kind of vine content. And so that needed to be changed. So life groups were brought in. Things start off good, but they need addressing, don't they? Pruning back with God the gardener. And then we had a new strap line, people on a journey together to live and love like Jesus. Family. Things were established like messy church. So I'm going to say the phrase again. He prunes back our traditional embellishments and strips us of our religiosity. We no longer strive to achieve and produce fruit. We don't see people in the light of whether they show up to our meetings and events. We are family. And then recently, there's been a new sharpened focus. And my last picture of the tree was of a pruned back tree but the branches were really sprouting and going out again. And we've just introduced our Reach Sundays, and there's been talk of missional communities and people reaching out into the community. And I believe that's where we're at now, in the health of our tree. In our healthy tree, we're re-establishing apostolic communities, being sent out to, to do good things in the community. So we've got a vision for new growth across Charnwood area and beyond. So if you can imagine the tree morphing a little bit and the branches all dovetailing together at the top into a cone shape and then a cylindrical shape and then where the roots are, there's fire coming out, you should get a firework. Okay. So I was asking the question, Lord, what are we about at, at church? What What's our thing? Why are we here? And the idea of church is that we're there to expand and extend God's kingdom together. So I saw a picture of a rocket. And the cone-shaped part at the beginning would contain our current mission statement or vision that we work to. A, a, a summary of that is to grow disciple-making communities by connecting people with God and each other. So that will include prayer, proclaiming good news, changing the atmosphere by our words, our actions, maybe by signs and wonders, revealing Jesus in all kinds of ways, teaching people about a Jesus-centered life simply by living it amongst them, incarnational theology, you might say, explaining about Jesus, baptizing people, creating family and community. It's the essence of what church is here for that only church can do because of the spirit of God within us. And this creates a sharp focus for the advancing of the kingdom. And it's based on the words of Jesus in Matthew where he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And it sums up the creational mandate as well in Genesis, um, Genesis 1.28 about being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth with God's presence. So there's this growing element to us. And then the cylindrical part of the rocket. This was something that my mind was working on afresh. I was thinking, as people come into the kingdom, there's 
other jobs for church to do in revealing Christ. Responding to people by meeting human need with compassion and loving kindness is one. Transforming the structures of society by promoting grace, mercy, and justice. Caring for the planet. All that is encapsulated in the first mention of what God's people were here for and God's original intention, which is to do with caring for the planet and being fruitful and multiplying and being good um, governors or carers for people, ruling and reigning in the world with God's love. So the rocket encapsulates the themes of the kingdom, covenant, restoration, empowered by fire, which is the energizing Holy Spirit. So my picture that I saw in my mind's eye wasn't just a, a firework that you light the touch paper and whiz and it's gone, you've missed it. It wasn't natural, it was a supernatural one. It was a slow burner. It was beautiful, in slow motion. It went across the sky, across the world, lighting it up with color and beauty and provoking a response of awe and wonder. Wow, Jesus in that community, the church, how amazing. So this picture of a rocket speaks to me of intentionally reaching out together and cremating, cremating, not cremating, creating communities. We don't want to cremate them unless they're really bad. <laughs> Which expresses Christ and enabling people to learn about him. So we're, we're talking about things we've done like picnic in the park, church in the park, church at the festival, church in the street, in our homes with our neighbors and friends, in the pub, in the shopping precinct, in the cafe. So it's groups of us together reaching out. The picture also makes room for our daily lives, being salt and light in our homes, in our workplaces, for the political arena, the environmental cause, living out our faith, using our gifts according to our particular flavor and calling. So we don't all fit one mold. And our mission statement is our focus. It gives us lift up. It's our pioneer. And then other things are brought in as well. So that the whole of creation is filled with Christ, as in Ephesians 1. So let's move on from that firework and let's go to a pirate ship, as you do. I was reading the chapter in Ephesians 4 about men and women who are gifts to the church to equip people for works of service. And I was taken by one pithy phrase, which is one that Peter Reynolds always used to say. He treasured it. And he used to love people as a pastor amongst them. And he would say, as each part does its work. So he'd be looking to the gifts and dreams within each person and saying, as we all take part and do our bit with our flavor, as each part does its work, then the whole is something amazing. So I saw a picture of a pirate ship. So King's Church, the pirate ship. And I need to remind you that prophecy is in part, and so it's not saying that we need to go on a plundering mission to um, press gang people or do something dreadful and drink lots of rum, no. It's not that sort of pirate ship, but this is the image I saw of a pirate ship. I saw the large pirate ship and we were all on board and there were small boats being launched from this ship. Intentionally, 
There were people launching these boats and taking small crews off. And they were going over to islands, and they were doing things in these islands. They were changing the flavor and the atmosphere in the island. They were eating there with the people. They were talking. They were doing stuff. They were working on these islands. And then they'd get back in the boat and sail back to the pirate ship. A bit like a tree with branches, this is a ship with small boats. And so there was a real clarity about what these people were doing. And I saw one person with a, a telescope up on the, the crow's nest, looking out and shouting what they could see, running down with great excitement and saying, hey, I've seen this, we need to go and do this now. So there was a, a, like a prophetic focus to the work. But then there was one of the anchor people, an anchor man, as, as it were, in the taking hold of the um, ship's wheel. And the, the boat was on a course that wasn't a, a straight course. It had been thought through. It was a particular course. It was its course. And this person was keeping the ship steady, steering the ship to keep everything right and in good balance. Really important job. And then I saw another very enthusiastic pirate. And this person was teaching people about what it means to be a pirate. They were new people. They were children. They were teenagers. And they, he was saying to them, or she was saying to them, this is how you be a pirate. And he was telling stories from his own life, sharing what it meant. And then there was some press ganging going on, but it was gentle, beautiful, amazing, happy press ganging rather than fierce, vicious press ganging bringing other people in and on board. Then I saw people, pirates with maps and plans, and they were busy being strategic. How do we do this? What do we do next? In what way? What do we need? They're working out the, the detail and the strategy. And then I saw somebody was instructing in a very firm way this huge sea monster on the horizon, keeping it at bay, not allowing it to come. And sea monster is like a big sea serpent. It's a picture of the enemy and evil. And there were people praying about, about that. There wasn't a huge emphasis on it, but evil was being kept at bay. And there was lots of praying going on. And then I saw people keeping the, the, everything shipshape and organized, real organizers, uh, practical workers working in the galleys, scrubbing the deck, repairing the ship. There were songwriters, musicians, singers, creative people. Amazing. There was a lot of singing going on. Amazing singing. There were resourceful pirates, techno pirates. There was an oracle that you could consult, which was a bit of technology, that you can consult with other pirates and what they were doing across the globe and get good and wise advice for them with their stories. Amazing. People with knowledge and wisdom and stories to share. I guess you could call them apostolic pirates. So where would you fit on our pirate ship? Where do you fit? You're in the crow's nest, Rob. Fabulous. <laughs> We've got a lookout man here. That's brilliant. Just have a think. Where would you fit? It's one thing to read scripture and all the different roles that we have and all the gifts that we have are in, in the Bible. But I find it exciting to imagine I'm a pirate and what would I do? So good things. Have a think. Where do you fit? And... Just while we're thinking about that. Surprise yourself and others. Don't put yourself or allow anyone else to put you in a box. Maybe you've been like this for this long, but you could surprise yourself and others. 
Obviously, we keep the flavor of who we are, but we can branch out and we can do new things and we can have more strings to our bow. So don't be boxed in in your thinking. Try something new. In Shepshed, we decided that we would go to the Lions Carnival in Glenmore Park and we erected a gazebo and we had across the front our hopes and dreams for Shepshed. And we had a tree, an artificial tree, our prayer tree, and we invited everyone as they were passing in the carnival to come in and to chat about what it was like living in the town and to write on leaves their hopes and dreams for the town and to hang them on the tree. All sorts of good conversations came out of that. And we promised people that we'd take those leaves and send them to Nikki Morgan, our MP, in the form of an email, which we have done, and we've got a good reply from her. We've um, sent them to the Borough Council chair. We've taken them to the townwide church in Shepshed, with whom we have links and relationship and friendships. And we've sent them to the Shepshed Eye magazine. So we've, we've kind of bigged up what people think about their town and what they'd like to see happen, their hopes and dreams. But most importantly, we're taking them to the highest authority and we're, we're praying over them for a change in atmosphere and kingdom advance in the town. People's heartfelt wishes, but also the mind of God and Christ on that too. But in doing that, we were enlarged together. It took all sorts of gifts prayer, ideas, planning, practical skills, ordering stuff from the internet, creative expression, actually putting the gazebo up, talking to people, gifts of leadership, collating reports for a magazine, sending off emails with correct wording, encouraging one another, praying for people, handing out the small try-praying booklets that we had. All of us have got different gifts, and we all used them together, and we were enlarged. And you know, we felt like we had nothing to offer. But when we came together, a small people with a big God and the gifts that God had put within each other, a lot was accomplished. And afterwards, Steve skillfully drew, drew us together and asked us to write down what we'd seen in other people for that person. And I was so lacking in confidence about the role I was taking that I wanted to write down on my bit of paper myself because I didn't think anybody would write anything on it. But I was amazed by what was written down and affirmed in stepping out in something new. So it's a time to step out into missional community. Nearly finished. On holiday, we discovered a jigsaw in the cupboard in the house where we were staying. We were staying in a lovely place with sea and sand and sunshine, and we discovered this jigsaw puzzle. And we'd not really done jigsaws before. And it was huge, it was a thousand pieces, and it was very difficult. And we thought, can we do this? Once we get it out the box and put the first couple of pieces together, we can't admit that we can't do it. We've got to keep going. Would we have time to finish? But you know, we had a go, and we did complete this puzzle, novices that we were, and everybody had a go doing what they did. And I'd, I'd, in the night, I would hear somebody up at three in the morning, thinking, oh, they're just using the bathroom. Well, yes, they would be doing that, but then they'd be there with a torch, fitting in a few more pieces as they went past this puzzle. It became addictive. The children, we were saying, the sun's shining, let's go to the beach, or oh, I just want to finish this little bit of the puzzle. Can you imagine? It was addictive. 
I had a dream about a jigsaw. This was a few months before. I had a dream that I was in a seminar room and I was putting pieces of a jigsaw together and there was a queue of church folk waiting to come in. And it said, bless you. <laughs> it didn't say bless you. It said on two pieces, commitment and application. And they were put together as the starting bits for the jigsaw. And I pondered on this. You see, our mission statement is for the whole of Charnwood and beyond. It's big. And sometimes I can think, we'll never do that. It's too big, too difficult, can't do it. And yet God is giving a strategy. He's saying, just make a start, like you do with a jigsaw. You don't have to do it all at once. You start by putting two bits together. And those bits are the commitment, which isn't a heavy religious thing, but it's a heartfelt thing. God, I'm in. I'm in, like Paul was saying. I'm in with worship when I don't feel like it, but I'm in with sharing you with my friends and neighbors. Sometimes I don't know what to do, but I'm in. I'm making a start. It's a heartfelt passion for God and for people which fuels our lives. And it's not a, a whizzy thing either. It's a long burner of quiet passion and application, a joy in serving Jesus. Application just means just do what you can do. Make a connection with one person. You've then put in two bits to the jigsaw puzzle. You've made a start. Take small steps. Gareth spoke about God's strategy. If I can go back one. He talked about Acts 2. And he talked about having fellowship with one another, listening to apostolic teaching. He talked about breaking bread and prayer. And he talked about going from house to house, not setting up big religious things, but going from house to house, relationships, connecting with people. And I think that whole picture shows God's big plan, which we can see a strategy in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. I think it's good always to look at the picture on the front of the box to know what we're doing as a big group. But also, we can do the jigsaw puzzle in different ways. Some people absolutely have to put the borders around first. They absolutely have to do that. And other people think, oh, I want to do the big red bus in the middle, and so they get all the red bits. And God has made us all different. And some of us will do the big borders, and others will do the creative bits that you feel like doing. And then little by little, we will put the sections together and we will complete the big picture. Not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit in each person as they all do their work, piece by piece. So in Shepshed, we decided that we'd go up Morley Hill overlooking the town and we'd look down and see the big picture of, 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 of the Shepshed area, and we'd pray for that, and then we went to all the entrance places, and we prayed for the entrance places, and we spoke out scriptures, and then we've hired the council offices to pray in the room where the council meet, and to declare some things over Shepshed, and so we're doing kind of the borders and the prayer things, but then we're having a games night, and then we're inviting our neighbors round, we're having meals, we're having coffee together, we're chatting over the fence. We're doing little things, but the little stuff puts the little pieces together. And before you know where you are, your connections have really grown. 
And you're connecting not just with each other, but connecting people with Jesus. I have a friend who is Jake's um, friend's mum, and she found herself in a situation where she was alone, her marriage fell through, and was feeling quite, quite sad and vulnerable with two young children. And God spoke to me about making a connection and a friendship, and I didn't know her, but we gradually made a connection and did little things. One day we got free tickets for um, Cadbury's World, how amazing, and we invited her and her two children to come and drove them there. And another occasion, the children were playing together and I invited her for a meal. And she cried because nobody had ever cooked a meal for her before. It was only spaghetti bolognese. I mean, I'm not the world's greatest, you know, chef. It was basic, at least it wasn't burnt, but she really appreciated it. It was amazing. And then little by little, we went carol singing and we knocked on her door. And she'd had a horrendous time. And she was in her PJs, as it were, and she was just going to bed, and she was feeling really down. And Shep Shed Life Group, dressed with antlers and sparkly bells, smiled and came to her door and started singing carols. It was a bit awkward. But then we shared with her um, some words which I felt God had given me for her about having a hope and a future, and that God had seen the desires of her heart, and they would be fulfilled. And I put some specific things in there. To cut a long story short, she met someone new and they're now engaged and committed, and which is amazing. And she didn't think that would ever happen to her again, ever in her life. And then lo and behold, I found out that she's expecting a baby and the child has now been born, he's absolutely lovely. And her life has turned around in an amazing way. She never thought it would, but she spoke to me about it by each stage and she said, it changed when you put that Christmas card through my door. The words in the card, she said, I cut them out and I put them in a little box, a treasure box I have, and I look at them from time to time. That's when my life changed and things started to blossom and flourish. She didn't use those words. And start again. And I'd lost touch with her for about five weeks, which was rather bad of me because during those five weeks, the baby had been born and was now five weeks old. So... Not good at this sort of thing. But I met her at the Shepshed Carnival. I really wanted to make that connection. And so we saw the baby, and, and she said, the baby's not, he's, he, we think he's allergic to milk. We think he's lactose intolerant. Feeding is awful. He's, he's crying all the time. So I said, would you mind if I just say hello to him and talk with him? And I spoke words of God and healing over him in his pram. And it, it was a bit strange, but it was partly jollily talking to the baby and partly bringing declarations of health and the healing and prayer. And she knew that something significant had happened and we were there with our gazebo and our leaflets on prayer. And then I went to see her to take gifts for the baby, things that she said that she needed because our strap line is pray, connect and provide. And as soon as I came to the door, she greeted me and she said, he's better, you know. It changed. The moment you said those words over him in the pram, it changed. He's not lactose intolerant. He can feed now. It's okay. And there he was, looking very happy and content, I have to say. But it, that's been like a three-year journey. But gradually, Jesus is being revealed. So, i finish now. Little by little. So, just to summarize. Be anchored and rooted in Christ. Be relational. Connect with people. Keep the focus and the bigger picture in mind. 
Discover your gift by doing it and let others affirm you. Find your place, surprise others, surprise yourself. Use commitment and application. Reach out, begin the impossible task. Start small, we have a big God. Encourage others, work together, build faith. The first reach Sunday we had from here, I was expecting the seven Shepshed people to come. Five of the seven were coming. And I sat in my lounge and I cried because we'd been pruned back so much and I didn't feel we could do what God was asking us to do. And as I was crying, I felt God say to me that it was his spirit within us that would do it. And the fact that we were such a motley crew, imagine the pirates in a little boat, we were such a motley crew, but he would work within us. And suddenly the burden of it dropped and an excitement came of what God could, he could use even us. So let that excitement burn within you. Colossians 3, verses 15 to 17. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts this week. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. And whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Thank you.